told our choir at practice with that song. I said it's a very majestic song. A lot of, a lot of good in our songbooks. And I believe that sometimes when uh, we sing as a congregation, or as a choir rather, the familiar congregational hymns, uh, it, it gives an extra emphasis and life to them. I love seeing it, love hearing it uh, very much with it. Uh, kind of tickled both this morning and this evening. We had, for instance, the Seabolt Tour in Maryland, which took out a good number of the uh, a good number of the children's choir, and we had others in. And uh, and uh, Sister Karen, your grand youngins were not here to be a part of it, and so we had the children's ensemble this morning. They did a good job. They really did. I thought those who were here did an excellent job. And tonight we had the adult choir ensemble with that. So there we go. And uh, some ensemble required with that. This evening I want to talk to you about the proper voice for the gospel. The proper voice for the gospel. Let's look at the passage which Brother Carpenter led us in reading earlier. Look in verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye have also received, and wherein you stand. The proper voice for the gospel. There are many different voices a person uses. Different tones. Different intensities. <laughs> Occasionally we'll be out somewhere and my wife will kind of do this and she'll go, honey, you're using your preaching voice. I'm like, oop, sorry about that. Um, there's different choices of words. The message a person's trying to convey can either be marred, enhanced, or even misrepresented by the voice one uses to convey it. What is the proper voice for the gospel? One would not say, I love you, to a dear one nearby in the same voice that you would seek to warn somebody from impending danger. In other words, the voice you might use to say, stop, stop, danger. You, you wouldn't want to do that to be up close and say, I love you. That could take away the whole effect. And in, in an inverted sense, you would not do it the other way around too. Someone's heading towards certain dangers. Stop. Please stop. <laughs> and it just doesn't make any sense. There are different voices. And uh, the different voices are appropriate for uh, whatever the situation is with it. The Bible gives some different Voices and examples of those. The Bible says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. Tells us what voice we should use in that situation. The scripture said regarding Zion, as instruction to Zion, the people of God then, in the book of Isaiah, it said, Lift up thy voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. God said the voice has to match the message and what you're doing with that. In the book of Isaiah again, in chapter 58, the prophet was told, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. What's the appropriate voice? And God talks about voices. John the Baptist, when he was asked to identify himself, simply stated, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Importance of the voice is underlined because of the text shows that the subject is preeminently important and the voice matters. And that, that message and that text, what it's talking about, is the gospel. 
What is the proper voice for the Gospel when we go out? We'll encounter a lot of different things as we take the opportunity, look and pray for the opportunity, and use the opportunity to, to give the Gospel to people around us. What's the appropriate voice? Uh, sometimes you'll encounter things that will try to take you off of the appropriate voice. You'll be wanting to talk to someone about Christ and His goodness. And yet, someone will try to draw you into a political argument. Some side issue. Some pet thing that they have about certain churches and that sort of thing. Some pet issue of theirs. And they'll try to draw it up and they're trying to draw you off. And uh, that's, uh, that's something you never want to do. We want to stay on task for getting the Gospel to them. But the subject is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 1, as I mentioned to you, of 1 Corinthians 15, tells you what the appropriate voice is. You already picked it up there. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the Gospel which I preached unto you. Um, this has never been a lectern used to develop a, or to deliver a lecture. This is a pulpit used to declare the Word of God. There's a distinct difference in the way things are done. It was said of Jesus in several places in the Scripture that people marveled at the authority by which He spake. That authority was not achieved by volume. That authority was not achieved by the command of language, although I'm sure our Lord had the most masterful and appropriate command of language that's ever existed. And if you read what He said, He chose simplicity to convey it, convey what He was teaching. But he, uh, he had the, uh, the declaration of the authority of God's Word. That's exactly what we're to do. Proper voice for the Gospel is declarative. It is neither apologetic nor arrogant. I want to give you some verses to validate this thing. It's not my idea about it not being apologetic or not being arrogant. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Speaking of the unfading glory of the Gospel, there's a phrase that we're going to read that says what type of speech was used for that. 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 12, that one twelve, or that one verse rather in verse 12, it says, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And because it's such an important thing to get across, we try to be plain in what we say. I never want somebody to walk away and say, what in the world were they talking about? I remember being almost kindly rebuked, certainly reproved somewhat, uh, by a teacher I had in college. This man was a music teacher, and, and uh, he said, you took music in college? I, I took evangelistic song leading. And I, I took piano lessons for a little while, but the uh, no, I was not a music major. You may, you may have you may have guessed that. But we were out soul winning together, and the, my teacher and I were, and we were in a neighborhood going down along a line of houses there and talking to people. And I had spent some time talking to a couple members of a family, and I felt that I had been far less than clear in trying to talk to them. I think they felt the same way. I know the teacher taught it. Because he very kindly said to me, in the most courteous way, we were walking and he, 
before we got to the next house, he said to me, he said, I, I need to say something to you. And I said, what's that? He said, you obviously know the Bible enough to talk to people. He said, but I came out of that house not quite knowing what you were trying to tell the people or what you wanted them to do. I think his valuation was 100% on. <laughs> the, the, the declarative voice is the plainness of speech so we can be understood. When we talk to someone about the Lord, they should know who Jesus is. They should know what He came to do and why. They should know the reason He died and the reason He rose and what that means. I had a little bit of a lengthy conversation. Uh, one of our guests that was here this morning has been here before. He's been watching online and such and kind of drawn back to come. He's a young man of some intelligence and uh, interesting to talk to. When we were walking in together, he was coming down the sidewalk at the same time I was to come in this morning. He said, uh, he made some kind comments and said, I've been watching you preach some. He said, uh, he said, well, I want to talk to you a little bit after the service. Well, after the service is obviously a busy time. And then also, uh, Brian and Mary, who were with us again, had got a hold of me earlier in the week and said, can we just talk to you a few minutes right after the morning service, which I already had that set up. And so I, uh, I told, uh, and, and I said, I said uh, look, I said, um, I'm not going to be, have time. I said, but give me your number. Write down your number here. And I said, I'll call you. I said, there's somebody I take home. And I said, I, I've got to meet with some other people. I've got a couple other things to tend to. I said, I take somebody home. I said, once I drop them off, I'll call you. And, um, of course, if you're in morning service, our daughter-in-law, Bethany, today was her birthday, and our family met, went out to lunch together. And uh, I, I, between Mrs. Short's house and, and getting back in town, I, I called him. And the conversation ran to a certain way. I wanted to make sure of things with him. He had been here over a year ago before we talked about some things. And um, as I talked to him, I said, let's get to the heart of the matter. Because he was asking about some other things. I said, the heart of the matter is Jesus Christ. You need to understand why he came. And because of the questions he was asking me, which were some things, scientific type things, I, I said, you have to understand why God made man originally. And I took it very simple and plain that God had made man to be a steward of the world that God made. It's the only cre creation that is made in the image of God. And He purposefully, God said He was made to care for the world, have dominion. I explained that dominion is not to damage and use something up, but it's good stewardship. And I said, but man sinned. And when he did... I said he lost that image, that likeness of, of God. And sin has marred man. And so he, he couldn't be with God. And we talked this way. And I said, so Jesus is God in the flesh. And He came and restored what Adam had lost with sin. A relationship with God and a heart with God. And then I was very plain. I said, you have to understand, Jesus did not die as a martyr for any cause or any religion. Jesus was literally our substitute in our place. It was a good conversation. It went well with it. He was in agreement with the statements as far as why Christ came and seemed to under, have understood that already. But great plainness of speech. We were talking about some very interesting subjects. But the issue was, take it back to the great plainness. Here's why Christ came. Here's who He is. He's the Son of God. You can 
Seek God's wisdom and He'll help you to know how to guide your, your conversation towards the particular person to whom you're speaking. But, um, but God, is, uh, God will help us. Just great plainness of speech. That's declarative. Declarative is not uh, domineering in a linguistical way. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, this is just the way it is. This is truth. Yeah. Maybe y'all weren't as much of a heathen as I was before I got saved. Somebody talks to me that way. I have to really be careful either not to just ignore them or start messing with them. One or the other. Usually the second because that's more entertaining. Because that type of thing is domineering. That's not declarative. Even... As it said in Isaiah, when the prophet was to lift up his voice as a trumpet, it was not domineering. It was loud. It was penetrating. It was a clarion call for repentance. But, he said, show my people their transgressions in the house of Judah their sin. It was specifically based on, here's where you've went across the Word of God. Here's what God's Word says. Here. And it was very clear. It was as a trumpet with clarity. But it was distinct. It wasn't just dominating either by volume or, or you know, the great torrent of words that came out. So plainness of speech. You say, well, I don't know very many fancy words. Good, you'll do better. You won't accidentally slip into that. There was a fellow many, many, many years ago heard testimony about this. He had, he had given the testimony. A fellow taught Greek at Bob Jones University. We're probably back in the late 50s or so with this. And the fellow went on to be someone who people looked to for that form of scholarship. And he gave a testimony that it was a testimony about the need for plainness of speech. And he said he was outside of the, uh, of the area there where Bob Jones University is. And he said he was talking to a farmer and trying to tell him that Christ was the Savior and that he died for his sins. But being a very high-level, intellectually high-level Greek teacher, he was trying to explain this word, here's the word it comes from, and all this. And the farmer just looking at him. And the fellow wasn't dumb in any way, but here he's trying to explain the syntax of the, of the, of the word and all this. And he said... It was a revelation to him in the man's own testimony. He said, the farmer looked at me and said, you know what your problem is, bub? Said that to the professor. The professor said, what's that? He said, you know too much. <laughs> the right voice for the gospel is declarative. We're not out to wow somebody with what we know. We're trying to make Christ clearly known. And when we get done speaking to someone, they should know what is expected and how they can receive Him. May I encourage you in something? Unless somebody has just indicated to you they absolutely don't want to hear anymore, even if they're saying, no, I don't want Christ right now, try to leave them with knowledge of how to receive Christ. Here's how you, do it. Here's how you talk to the Lord. Why? Because you don't know what might happen after you leave. And so, let's do that. Let's be wise. The declarative voice is the voice for the Gospel. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 gives us something else. Let's look at it, please. 1 Thessalonians 2.
what is the proper voice for the gospel? Declarative voice is. That includes plainness of speech. First Thessalonians chapter two, look in verse two. Let's begin in verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi, look at this, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. They were not contentious when they provided it, but they kept preaching even though there was... There was trouble towards them. But I want you to notice we were bold in our God to speak it. The declarative voice is a bold voice. It's not afraid to talk. You say, well, I'm kind of bashful. You may be. It may not be a natural thing for you to come up and just start a conversation with someone. I know for some of you, honestly, it's not a weakness or, or lack of anything. You're, the thought... If you went into a brand new place that you would meet everybody in there and just talk to them and like you've known them for years, that is foreign to the way you would do things. That almost makes you queasy to think about it. Others, that's just what you do. You don't think anything about it. And uh, that, that, that's not strength or weakness in any way. In fact, uh, God's got a use for each type in that. But uh, you can still be bold. And you're bold in the fact of being assured that God's able to use you. Being assured that when you try to give somebody the Gospel, that God's in favor of that and His power attends it. His power helps you with it. You can be assured that whenever you try to be a witness for Christ, no matter how weak your effort may seem to you, that the very Holy Spirit of God helps you and ministers while you're talking. You can have that assurance. It'll give you boldness. And you understand, and I think you have no problem understanding at all that boldness is not arrogance. They're exactly opposite, actually. Boldness is born of confidence. And so a declarative voice, what is it? Bold in our God to speak unto you the Gospel. Um, Caleb and I were one time going out together at the uh, fair, uh, giving out the Gospel tracts and such. And there was a number of years where he went with me every year. Uh, we'd go, out, go there together. And as we were going in, there were some young people, about college age, and uh, I, I said, let's catch them. So we walked up a little faster and went into the midst of them, and I started to hand them gospel tracts and stuff. One of them turned and looked at me. By the way, he wasn't being smart alecky about it. He said, what's this? I said, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I gave it to you. I said, uh, why, don't you, why don't you take a look at that? And he says, tell me a reason why, you, why we should believe that Jesus is who he said he is. I wish I could recount to you. Afterwards, Caleb looked at me and goes, wow. I said, yeah, wow. Me too, wow. I got wowed on that one because I didn't know where it's coming. But just the verses, the things came with that. That's boldness. You're just saying, here's why. You, have to be, you said, preacher, I would never go into a group of people. And that, that's, that's not the point. The boldness is knowing that God's with you while you do it. And uh, God will help you with it. It's a declarative. What's the proper voice for the gospel? I remember it was funny. We had what was called homiletics class. Homiletics is the art of preaching. And uh, you had basic homiletics and, and advanced homiletics. They later changed the title of the class to preaching class, which I like that better. But homiletics is the, is the 
correct technical term for, for what you do when you're delivering a, a message, or in some places they call it a homily. You would never call it the type of preaching we do here. But uh, anyway, I still remember uh, we were in class and fellas got up. Some of them believe God wanted them to preach, but they really hadn't hardly ever preached. Uh, there were a few of us who had been preaching for a number of years and had preached in a lot of different situations. So there was a wide variety of, of experience at it and all that. And all of us had a lot to learn for certain. And I still remember one fellow got up and he was very timid. And I mean, that's fine if a fellow speaks differently. One of the men who's been used of God in an absolutely phenomenal way in the Philippines and through that around the world is a fellow by the name of Rick Martin. Brother Rick's so, so skinny, honest to goodness, it's, it's absolutely uh, amazing. You would see him if he, he's so thin. And uh, when he preaches, it's just conversational with the power of God attends to it. Powerful, powerful. And I got to hear him in college chapel many years ago. And uh, you have a lot of different ways, but this fellow got up, you could barely hear him. And he was very apologetic. He stood up and opened his Bible, and he's like, um, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the best I can, and I hope you guys, maybe it'll help somebody here. And of course, you're looking at a room full of guys trained to be preachers, and we're merciless with each other. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and anyway, he's like, um, well, uh, uh, for, uh, first point, and the teacher stopped him and said, what are you doing? He said, I'm preaching. He goes, no, you're not. He said, uh, who's your favorite preacher? And uh, he named somebody. And he said, what would he, would he preach that like you're preaching that right now? Oh, no. no. He go, I, this was hilarious. When I watched it, I thought it was hilarious. And he said, what would he have preached it like? The guy turned around. It was like a total transfiguration. All right, open your Bibles now. Let me tell you what the Scripture has to say about this. The Word of God. And he just... And the teacher says, do that. I can't. <laughs> I almost felt sorry for him, although my compassion wasn't that developed as a college student, but I certainly was grateful of one thing, that that wasn't me up there going through all that. Boldness doesn't mean that you have to have somebody else's personality. It means you have a confidence that I have something for you. I've been saying, our choir knows this, as we practice, I want you to know the words. We pass out the songs and all that. Why? Because when you let them get inside you, there's a freedom of singing with more power when you realize what you're singing. To our teachers, I say in teacher's meeting, know the subject. Know more than what you're going to teach. Let it get inside of you. Let it be something that comes out. Why? Because that is where boldness is birthed. And boldness is the proper voice for the Gospel. We don't have a message of maybe... We don't have a message of this is one of many options you might consider. We have a message that the God of heaven has given testimony that His Son has come. Salvation's way is paid. It's done. It's finished. It's eternal. And you can know the Lord. What a great message we have in a totally confused and unstable day. What a wonderful thing it is to have. Then look in Romans chapter 1. What's the proper voice for the gospel? It's a declarative voice. Romans chapter 1. I don't feel like I have a declarative voice yet. I'm teaching you something. Start learning now. Let this message start you learning. Become different about this than you have been if you're lacking. Grow. God wants us to. Romans chapter 1. Look in verse 14. He speaks of being a debtor, means he owes something to some people. He said, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. 
both to the wise and to the unwise. Then look at this. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the Gospel to you that are at Rome also. The right word, the declarative voice is a voice that's plain. It's a voice that is bold. And it's a voice that is not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ. You say, well, someone won't agree with it. That's fine. I mean, I'm not happy for them, but that doesn't change it. Um, you say, well, someone takes exception to it. It doesn't change it. Not ashamed. Are you afraid or ashamed ever that they'll think less of you when you tell them what you're about? Because I dress nicely most of the time and I'm around about in town doing things a lot. Sometimes I'll be stopped, not as frequently in places where I'm in a lot because they'll tend to know I pastor here in town. But I'll be up in Columbus or be doing something. I'll be dressed somewhat like this going in. And sometimes people say, what business are you in? They'll come up and ask that kind of question. And uh, I usually just start telling myself I'm a Baptist preacher. Oh, and it's interesting. That's always fun. You either get this look of pity. Oh, they don't know what that is. Oh, or oh. <laughs> it's always fun to watch what happens and see where it goes from there. <laughs> Amen. The, uh, I've had, uh, it's funny, I've had just in the last three or four months, two people said, what you selling? One lady did. She was kind of a forward sort of lady. And I don't mean that in the strange woman sort of way. She just, you could tell that probably she had never had any, anybody <laughs> contradict her. Um, <laughs> she had that air about her. And I walked in and she's like, what are you selling? I said, nothing. I said, I'm giving something away. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Boldness, not ashamed. Not ashamed. Don't be ashamed of him ever. Why would we ever be ashamed of the Lord? Why would we ever be ashamed of Jesus? Yeah? My wife and I were looking and I realized I've been I said this twenty five years ago, twenty twenty five years ago. I started saying, you know, we have this classic idea of what a grandma was, my generation did, you know. And there she was, and here's what she looked like and all that. And I was saying to our soul winners at that time, I said, Grandma now is coming to the door, you know, all tatted up with an ACDC t-shirt on. Well, Grandma back then was like 44 years old. That's what we were running into then. We were somewhere and there were people, they were at least our age or older. Sometimes you can't tell, you know, the, the chronology was, how my wife's going at least, but I'm not sure, huh? Because... Sometimes it's age that's caught up with them. Sometimes other things have caught up and trampled them. You know? And <laughs> so, you know, there's this lady, and I mean, she's at least our age, and she's got the rock and roll t shirt and the stance and the talk and all that. And I'm going, well, that's just, that's just rough. People wear, you know, I'm for this one, and I'm for that one, and. You know, where's who I'm for? Man, with all that kind of nonsense, why would we ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ? He's so much better than anyone else. He's so much truer. He's so much fairer. He's so much stronger. Why would we ever be ashamed of Jesus? Why would we ever be ashamed 
to be associated with Jesus Christ. Proper voice for the gospel is a declarative voice. The declarative voice is not a shame. How does such a voice sound? Well, Apollos was eloquent. God said that about him. I said this morning, when God calls you eloquent, you can speak. Yeah. That's all there is to it. You know, I, I got tickled. Brother Randy Faust, uh, by the way, I mentioned he had had a very serious back surgery. He's doing well. And last Wednesday, he was back in the pulpit. So I was glad about that. But when he was down a few weeks there, on one particular date, he had asked if either, you know, if I could send somebody over that, and it was not going to work for us at all. And, and I said, Brother Faust, I'll give you a name. And he had uh, had some contact, didn't know Brother Terrell. And I said, Brother Terrell Hudson. I gave him Brother Terrell's number. And so I talked to Brother Faust, and I said, how'd it go? He said, I tell you what. He goes, we're going to have a special meeting just to bring him in again. And Brother Terrell went in, and just they enjoyed hearing the gospel preached and hearing the Bible preached by him. I said, yeah, he's a good one. I said, and his living backs up what, what he's preaching while he's there. Always consistent with that all the years I've known him. And uh, eloquent. Boy, you should have heard. I wish a few of you who have been a very long time may have. I don't know if you remember it. But I wish you could have heard Brother Travis, Brother Terrell's dad. Just a natural eloquence. He didn't try to be flowery in his speech or anything. It was just, you, you could vividly see anything he was speaking about when, when he did. And just that, that, that gifting on the language. And uh, Apollos was eloquent. Do you know that it was said of Paul? Paul mentioned this in the Bible that people said his speech was contemptible. They weren't talking about they didn't like what he was saying. They said there was something about Paul, either his appearance or his manner of delivery or his, maybe his tone of voice that made it hard to listen to him. Brother Jeff Nichols was telling me, no, it was Brother Terrell. I was out with Brother Terrell. I saw both of them in a short amount of time. And he was telling me about a fellow doing a great job down, I think, near the Cincinnati area, pastoring. And he said, I'm going to tell you, Brother Phil, he said, he has something that I've never known of a pastor to have. And he said, he'll probably never have a large church because of this. It's just the way it'll work. He said, but who knows? God's using him. He, man, severely stutters. Severely stutters. But he said he's got some people who love the Lord, people getting saved. Can you imagine that? If I stuttered, every sermon would be two hours. <laughs> Saying it one time takes a while, man. You can't make, make me say it over and over. But hearing man stutters, but yet is, is used. What's that voice sound like? Paul was contemptible in this speech in some way. Apollos was eloquent. But it didn't matter. They were declarative in what they said. The declarative voice is always plain. It's always respectful. It's always thorough. In other words, it's declarative. Let me give you tonight, finally, what is the source of such a voice? Since we understand from a passage in the Scripture that our mouth speaks from the abundance of our heart. What is the source of such a voice? How do we get a declarative voice? Do we practice it? Speaking to someone? Do we, uh, do we go through some mental exercise where we can be uh, more strong in what we say and maybe more careful? No. It comes from somewhere inside. To a, to a man, every God called that I believe God called preacher that I know personally, to a man, 
I have, I've had when we've talked about preaching and the joy of being able to give God's word. Talk about there are times where you don't even you, you just you don't even know you exist anymore. It's like the thoughts are coming through, the words are coming through. There's a there's a lifting out of yourself. Some of you who preach and teach perhaps have, have encountered that also. Where does this declarative voice come from? It doesn't come from uh, working on elocution. It comes from inside. Let me give you what the Scripture says about it. Look in Mark chapter 6. Let me give you examples from the Scripture where this comes from. You, you can have a declarative voice for the Gospel. God will help you with it too. Mark chapter 6. Look please in verse 34. And Jesus, when He came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as a sheep not having a shepherd. And He began to teach them many things. They needed to know some things. They were an unstable and unsettled people and He said you need to know some things. Where does this declarative voice come from? It comes from compassion in the heart. It comes from a compassion that says you need what this is. Um, my mind today has been taken two or three times in different contacts I've had and people I've talked with after the service on the phone and, and earlier today, even before church, how much the Word of God has for people. How much people can be helped if they are shown just some basic truths from the Word of God. What it can do if they will but listen to the Word. If they will but take in the Word. The difference it can make. Where does that declarative voice come from? It comes from a heart of compassion. Isn't it amazing? Jesus saw them as sheep without a shepherd. He saw these people. What did He do? He began to teach them many things. He goes, you need to know. You need to know. You, you've got to know some things. Not to just be wandering around. Let me show you another one. Look over in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Where does such a voice come from? It comes from compassion in the heart. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 12 says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed... For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed unto Him against that day. What's the source of the voice of, of declaration? It's compassion in the heart. It's conviction in the soul. I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. There's a conviction in my soul. Oh, you run into all kinds of arguments. It's kind of interesting to me helping some of you grow in your walk with the Lord and in your witnessing, that often as you are trying to help other believers, which is an important part for the body to do, as you're witnessing to people and such, I will get a question, a text, or this or that about this question or that question you're encountering. I don't claim to have seen everything, but I've seen a lot over the years. And every now and then one comes up and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I need to study that out and find out. But with so many of them, they bring back remembrances of the first time I encountered something like that. Remembrances of somebody 
putting a question to me, I'm going, oh, I have no idea. I don't know how that fits. And some I didn't find out right away, but as you grow in the Scripture, you learn them. And it reminded me that there becomes a conviction of the soul. Somebody wants to argue of, hey, I'll let them argue all day long. I'm just not going to be there doing it with them. Really? Somebody wants to debate? I let them. Really? Yeah, I just go somewhere else while they do it. I'll go down and talk to their neighbor who actually wants to hear something. I remember a fellow when we went up and uh, um, up in Barberton, Ohio and helped the church up there. We took a group of soul winners up there. One guy was trying to corner me. He kept trying to draw me into arguments. Kept drawing, drawing me into arguments. He, he did. It was very blatant. It was a very, very, uh, very pushy, arrogant personality. And I tried to just keep it on the gospel. And finally, I said, look, I said, you're wanting to argue and debate. I said, that's fine. I said, you didn't invite me up to talk to you. I said, that's, this is your property. I'm good with that. I said, I'm going to go. I said, I, I have very limited time. We're just up here visiting. I'm going to try to talk to some people. Oh, you just won't find some people who agree with you. Oh, you just, you know, he kept doing that. It was funny. I said, whatever you think, man. And I just went down the road. And it was funny. He was following me, saying it over and over again. And I'm like, no. Went down the road. There was someone else. I gave the account. I have on more than one occasion when we ran into a man who was furious over the fact we were there. He was furious over the fact that I had dared to say <laughs> that I actually thought Ronald Reagan was a good president. And I thought we were having a friendly discussion until he exploded. He's the fellow I told you was screaming at Luke because this was right before uh, President Obama got elected. And he looked at Luke and said, young man, would it bother you if a man that was a Muslim was your president? Luke's not bashful about his opinion ever. Hasn't ever been. And he just looked at him. He was respectful, looking right in the eye. And Luke, the little guy. And he says, yes, sir, it would. <laughs> the guy's like, bah! you know. And uh, Brother Hayton was with us. And I still remember the guy's hanging on the side of my truck, pointing to Luke, saying, I feel sorry for you being raised in that kind of atmosphere. I'm like, get off my truck. The guy was going nuts. And uh, Brother Hayton was funny. He'd been in Africa. I thought he was going to be fearless. You know, cast a devil while this guy would do something, you know. And instead, he looks at me. He says, Brother Manning, I think he's going back to get a gun. Can we leave? <laughs> I'm like, now there's wisdom. <laughs> That's what we did. Oh, by the way, went on down the road. I can see that house in my mind's eye. Went on down the road. Went around curving down the road and went to the next place down. Is out in, out in the rural area. Went in there. Some people, man, we've had, we've had some heartbreak. Really? Can you talk to us? Get some conviction in your soul. Get some conviction... That Christ is who He said He is. Declarative speech comes from saying, that's who He is. I don't agree with it. You have, I never tell people they have the right to. We do not have the right to disagree with God. But we do have the capacity. What I say to people is that's your choice to make. And God's given you the ability to choose. But here's who Christ is. I can't believe anybody would believe that. Remember the one guy who self-proclaimed Gnostic? We were up in the parking lot of an Anderson's store when that used to be open. And he kind of winged out. She gave him a track, started all the trouble. And uh, we were having a good time. <laughs> but then uh, at one point, he was a self-proclaimed Gnostic and he, he uh, started going off on tangents and I was trying to break off. And for some reason, he decided my wife was oppressed. 
And he kind of centered on her. I, I loved what she did. And he's like, you, you're, you're his equal. You can't let him impress you. I don't know what came up with that. And bless her heart. I thought it was honoring cute at the same time. He said that and she snuggled it. Like up under my arm. And she said, I like him being in charge. That guy liked that lost his marbles. And he was driving away yelling at us, don't let him oppress you. And so... Anyway, it was kind of fun for a while. We'd do something, I'd say something, she goes, you're oppressing me. And uh, (laughs) there's all kinds of things. I really encourage you for soul winning, aren't I? I'm thinking about how to get off these illustrations. Okay, this uh, this has spanned out over a lot of years. You say, that's why I don't talk to people. I think all the fun you're missing. Um, (laughs) But you need to have some conviction. Where somebody says something, well, I wonder get settled in the scripture oh there are going to be a lot of things you don't know there's going to be things we'll look at and go huh that's interesting hopefully we've got sense enough to keep growing but I know whom I have believed well what if some of your doctrine's off guarantee you some of it is some of yours is too so let's get over that point one I, well what if you weren't I know whom I have believed I may miss a detail here or there. If I talked through Revelation and Isaiah in the next two months, I guarantee you I'd miss something along there. But I know whom I have believed. Jesus is who He said He is. There's never been anybody else like Him. And He can save us to the uttermost that come unto God by Him. Conviction! Something that's so solid that you don't have to go overboard to defend what you believe. Well, that's just what we believe. Why are you so insecure about it? But I tell you, no, you can't say that. Really? May God help you to grow and have some security in Christ. You don't feel I have to respond that way. And then let me say to you, not only compassion in the heart and conviction in the soul brings about the voice, the declarative voice, but look in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The last one I'll be showing you tonight. You have a compassion in your heart. Conviction in your soul. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verses 1 and 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. And by the way, Paul was educated enough to do that. to, To come in a philosophical bent. Came not to you with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I just need to declare what God has said, His testimony. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Where does the source of the voice of being declarative come from? It comes from compassion in the heart, it comes from conviction in the soul. And then it comes from a conclusion in the mind. What they need is Jesus. While you're here, can you help us with our marriage? Might be able to. But the first issue is do you know Christ? As I said to someone recently, and they asked me about this or that, I said, let's first talk about if you know Christ. And they gave good testimony that they did. I, I then said to him, I said, now we have a foundation on which to build, so let's go forward. 
Why? Because there needs to be a conclusion in your mind that Jesus Christ is all that's needed. It's a matter of the heart. When we have Christ in our heart, then we, we can go forward in all the other areas and pick up all the other things that we need. The Scripture says there are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. A lot of different types of voices. They all have a significance. Whatever the scope and influence of your voice is, and if you listen to me well, you don't know for sure that, what it is. Whatever the scope and influence of your voice is, let that influence be used for Jesus Christ. And let your voice be a declarative voice for the Gospel. Let me pray with you tonight. All right? Father, thank You for Your words and Your people. Help us to live out the truth that we've learned tonight, please. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. A song of invitation. Why don't you come tonight? Why don't you determine in your heart, God, help me to be declarative. I'm going to do my part to look for opportunity to speak and take the opportunities that are given to me. God, you help me to be declarative. And then these things in your heart. Compassion. What a difference you can make in somebody's life. Conviction. I know whom I have believed. And a conclusion. I don't need to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Some of you are a little timid about witnessing because you're afraid somebody's going to ask you a Bible question you can't answer. You need to lay that aside. You're not going out to give them a doctrinal dissertation. You want to tell them about Jesus. Who He is. Why He came. What He did. Everything else can build from there. We have a song invitation. Why don't you come tonight? Seek the Lord on this.